Good morning again, one and all. Uh, welcome to um, our new series, which we started just last week, which is called Northern in the Mirror. And um, what's, what we're doing for this series is where, as the name suggests, we're looking at ourselves in the mirror. The, the core values of our church um, are going to be just um, surveyed and discussed and worked through. So those core values, which we can see on the next slide, is um, a deepening spirituality, developing community, and demonstrating compassion. And we've found over the years these core values, they present a useful guide to us um, as we live out our lives following Jesus and being the church. These um, core values may be new to some of us and for others we'll, we'll know them um, quite well. But the, the thing, I guess the focus of this series is that if those words just stay as words, if we just hear them as words, then that's all they'll be, even if you memorise them. We want them to be living words where they can come alive in us as a community and in us as people. So um, during this series, Jay, um, David, last week when he introduced it, he really challenged us not to be complacent or apathetic about this time. Um, so we're asking you to commit to being a part of this. Um, if you miss a Sunday, then there's podcasts that you can, you can catch up on. Um, and we also not only ask you to commit to coming along, but, but talk about it together. Um, pray with us about our church, about our vision, about where we're heading. Encourage each other in faith. These are all the things that we need to do in order to make these core values really stick and really become living words for us. So we're looking in the mirror and I, it, it reminds me of Psalm 139. There's this verse, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So that's the, the attitude, that's the approach that we come into this series with. And today we're focusing on the core value, deepening spirituality. So my, my aim today is to give you a, a picture of what that means um, so that we can kind of move forward uh, in, in, that, in making that real, making that a living word for us, deepening spirituality. Have you heard people say, oh, I'm not a religious person, but I'm spiritual? Um, that, that sort of happens these days quite a lot. It seems that to be spiritual is, is very attractive. It's something that we, we think, hey, look at that person, they're spiritual. Um, and when it's spoken of in that kind of way, uh, it, it usually means something a bit vague, um, something like, getting in touch with who I am. Um, but I, 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 don't, I think that we shouldn't make fun of, of that kind of approach and of that, um, you know, that, that sense of spirituality being, being attractive in our society because the impulse comes from wanting to have a greater awareness of how everything is connected. So who I am, everything I do, it matters because everything is connected. It's so easy for all of us these days to get distracted 
um, amidst our personal endeavours, whatever's going on in our lives. And then along the way, we realise that we're still not really grown up. You know, we've grown up um, physically, biologically. Um, Maybe we've even gone to school and gone to university and got some degrees and qualifications. But we still feel that we're living kind of lopsided, fragmented, immature lives. And I reckon that's why getting in touch with spirituality in this sort of way, that, that um, this broad, vague way, seems so energising to us because it's the recognition that um, all the desires and choices that I make, they're going to impact other people and they're going to impact me. There's a spiritual dynamic, so I need to be careful about the way I live and the things I choose to do. And it's not only our choices, but we also have pressures and influences forces and powers all around us, whether they're social forces, um, maybe they're generational strongholds in our family, work dynamics, um, spirits of fear and anxiety that we have, whatever else it is, but there's there's a spiritual dimension out there. Um, we very much live in a spiritual world. And so this desire to understand and to, to have, um, to find peace is, is a good one and is one that, that we should be able to, um, to sense that, you know, we want that too, right? <laughs> yes. Um, so when, um, like also when you're grappling with relationships, um, all those feelings and the responsibilities and the differences, um, the different ways that we relate, all that's spiritual too. So you can see that, uh, this, that we can't afford to think of um, spirituality as a side project, you know, I've got my life, I've got a whole lot of things going on, but I've got a little bit of spirituality on the side. We can't afford to do that because spirituality is about everything, how it's all connected. The big difference for Christian spirituality is to realise that we're not at the centre of things. That's the the big difference. We recognise that God is at the centre of things and not us. So for Christians, spirituality involves allowing God to work in our lives, to form the life of Christ in us. We celebrate our identity in God as Christians and we're excited to know who we are and where we are destined. But, you know, I, if I'm honest, in my, in my life so far, I reckon Christians haven't been that great at deepening their spirituality we have this this wonderful treasure in in knowing that um, in knowing our God and in knowing um, Christ, and we have this wonderful promise that Christ will form His life in us through our relationship with God. And yet, sometimes it feels like we don't know how to do it. Does anyone feel understand what I'm saying? I hope I'm not the only one here who feels like that. But um, it's kind of like, yeah, we're Christians. That's secure. We believe and we intend to live a life of discipleship, but we're not sure how to how to get started. And um, often we've been better at saving lives than living saved lives, if you know what I mean. Um, unfortunately, I, I think in this time of spiritual searching around us in our general broad society, Christians have more often than not not been able to live a distinctive, vibrant Christian spirituality that incorporates 
our whole lives for all to see. And so my heart for our congregation in terms of deepening spirituality at Northern is, is that we learn to pay attention to the way the Christian life is formed and the ways in which we become attuned to what God is doing in our lives, being formed into the way of Christ. Um, it, it, like It's like what Paul says in Galatians. He's, he says that we should grow up into the stature of Christ. How do we do that? That's the thing that I, I want us to grapple with, and that's what's going um, to help us in our quest to deepen spirituality. Um, before I go any further, just giving you that little introduction, um, I, wa- I wonder what how you're feeling in terms of uh, your spiritual fuel tank. Um, If you look at your response card, you'll notice that at the top, instead of there being the normal church logo on the response card side, there's a fuel gauge. And um, I'd just like for you in the next, you know, 30 seconds, just to consider, like, where are you at in, um, in terms of your spiritual fuel tank? Where do you think you are on, on the gauge? And maybe you could just put a little cross somewhere um, just to show, like, do you, are you feeling, um, when you think of your spirituality personally, where are you on the, on the gauge? I'll just give you a few seconds to consider that. While you're doing that, um, I'll just tell you what, what we're going to do now. Um, what I want to do is... Um, for us to be able to um, to have a good picture of, of Christian spirituality, I reckon it needs to be holistic. It needs to include our whole lives. It can't be... Spirituality shouldn't be something that's, um, like I said before, that's a side project. So it shouldn't be something where we say, oh, I'm compartmentalising spirituality into what I do on Sunday morning or, um, you know, or what I do um, at night before I go to bed. We, we need a, a way of thinking about spiritual life that's in, all, in, all encompassing. And that's why, um, I, I, that's why we, we've just listened to the story of Genesis 2 because I, I think that um, creation, the creation story, is, one, is something that's a good place to start. Firstly, because it reminds us that we're not at the centre of things, but God is. God's our creator. God created all things. Um, and so our, I guess our question, rather than just about how can I become more spiritual, is what does God intend for us in our lives? And um, so I'm just going to quickly go through four, what I reckon, four key relationships that, um, that are, are God's intention for us. You'll notice, um, you may have noticed, I, I love this, this poetic um, aspect to, to Genesis 2, where um, it says this in Genesis 2, 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. God breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living person. We are made for relationship with God. There's this beautiful intimacy here. Out of the humble dirt, out of not much, God lovingly makes us. He makes us sacred. He makes us special. And God breathes his spirit, his breath into us. We're enlivened by God's spirit. This, I think, is a very similar idea to 
the idea in, in Genesis 1, which says that we are made in the image of God. We are made in the likeness of God. We're made to, to be able to, to actually have a, a, um, have a relationship with God in our lives and for God to be our life source. So this relationship is, is empowering and enriching and deep. Just like the song, the new song that we sung today, it's your breath, God, in our lungs and we pour out our praise. You could argue that that's, that's the purpose of our life to be made in relationship with God and to be pray, giving praise to him through what we do. So God is, is, our, um, is our creator. God is our life source. God is our guide and our wise counsellor to help us navigate through life. And our relationship with God is, is so central um, that we do well to revere him, to not, not treat God as, as just, um, oh, yeah, He's the creator, but it's all about me. Um, when we live for his glory, that's when we live well. Um, and it makes it reminds me of Psalm 127, which says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So there's this sense in which um, unless God's in it, what I do could be laboring in vain. So this, this relationship with God is, is central and from it is, is this energy for all of these other relationships. So we're made for relationship with God and we're also made for relationship with each other. Um, in in the, the reading we had, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. Human beings were not created to be alone. Um, it's interesting that the first thing in the creation story that is not good is isolation. So before anything goes wrong, there was this one thing that needed to be set right. Loneliness and isolation were a problem. We were created for community, for family, for friendship. So deepening our relationship with God enlivens and transforms our relationships with each other. The great care and worth that God shows towards us and his shaping of us, it actually changes the way we view one another and the way we live side by side with those that we, um, that we live with. Our third relationship is that we are, made in the, um, we are made for relationship with our world. So we're also created to engage with our environment we're given responsibility over it, to tend it, to shape it, to care for it. Name the animals, God says. And did you notice that little bit in, in the um, reading where it started talking about gold and onyx? And um, So, you know, go find the gold in the mountain, God says. Go cultivate life. So creating culture was part of God's plan. God intends us to make something of creation. Um, it's not a completed thing yet. I reckon that's a wonderful thing because when I go to work, when I go to, um, to do anything really, I, I have this new sense of purpose and of care for the things that I do because God's called us to do those things. He wants us to have relationship with the world around us. The world's made by God. It's beautiful and it's wonderful and it's good. But God now commissions us 
to engage with it and make it something good. This is also, to me, key in thinking about our environmental responsibilities. Um, if, if God made this world and God made us to be in relationship with the world, then we can't be wasteful. We need to care for our environment. Um, everything matters. Lastly, and this one might sound a bit weird, but we're also in relationship with ourself. Okay, We aren't created as disembodied souls. We are embodied creatures. We're faces, we're hands, we're muscles, we're bones, we're skin. Um, we have emotions, we have intellect, we laugh and cry. We have character, convictions and morals. Um, we're self-aware. So we have this consciousness that sets us apart from all the other animals. Um, God's made us so that we can think for ourselves. We can turn to him and say, thank you, God. No other animal can do that. Um, these, I, I suppose um, when we think about that, we think about our spirituality. It's, it's so, it can be so much about um, our, like our relationship with ourself, how we view ourselves. Um, can can have such a huge impact on on our spirituality. If we're to look at ourselves in the mirror, are we at peace with who we are? So these four relationships, they are um, rightly relating. So if we if we can relate to God well, relate to each other, relate to the world, relate to ourselves, to me that's a beautiful picture of what God calls, what the Bible calls shalom. Um, God's intention for his creation, God's reign, peace, everything rightly related. To me, that model of just thinking about who we are, um, what we are made for, made for relationship with God, made for relationship with each other, made for relationship with the world, made for relationship with ourself, that helps me to have a holistic view of my spirituality. It can't possibly be about what I do at church or um, how many times I pray at night or those sorts of things. It's, it's got to be way bigger than that because it incorporates all those things. Now, the truth is that all of those relationships that we've just talked about, they've been broken. We all experience the pain and the struggle in each one of those. They're broken, but they're not severed. They're not completely broken off. When Paul in, in uh, Acts 17 was preaching to the philosophers of Athens. I reckon that would have been a daunting task. Um, he says this. He says, God is not far from any one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. And that's our great hope is within the brokenness, despite the brokenness, we, we know that, um, that things aren't broken to the point of no return. And Jesus coming to us uh, as the true image of God, raises that hope and, and gives us um, assurance that God has not given up on us. And Jesus presents himself as the model of obedience to God, the model of what, what this spiritual life, this Christian spiritual life looks like. He shows us how it's done, you could say. You might notice over here um, our, our dresser, our mirror, and um, it's covered in some vines. Uh, I just want to read to you uh, a story that, um, well, it's not a story, it's a, um, a passage from the Bible that Jesus spoke to his disciples on the night before 
he was to be killed. Um, he was with his disciples and he had, as you can imagine, quite a bit to say um, as he took his leave from his closest associates and friends. Um, and this is what he said to, to them from John 15, verses 1 to 8. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit... You are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I'm, I'm no uh, viticulturist or, you know, um, vine trimmer, but I do know a few things. And a vine left to itself will get straggly and tangled and grows in on itself. It will produce not-so-good grapes rather than a large number of very good ones, if just left to itself. Um, and it will also produce a lot of superfluous growth. It will quite literally get in its own light, and so it needs help to grow in the right directions to the right ends. So you can prune it to stop it wasting its energy and being unproductive. You cut out particularly the parts of the plant that are growing inwards and getting tangled up. You encourage the shoots that are growing outwards towards the light. You prune the vine to help it be its true self, you could say. I reckon um, when Jesus speaks about being the true vine and, and his father being the gardener and us being the branches, it's Jesus' way of speaking of this intimate relationship at the core of our life this relationship with God, this relationship with Jesus that the disciples are to enjoy and to cultivate even after Jesus' death. Branches that decide to go it alone, to try living without the life of the vine, soon discover their mistakes. They'll wither and die and are good for nothing but the fire. But branches that remain in the vine and submit to the pruner's knife when necessary, live and bear fruit. So this is the prospect that Jesus holds out for us. And the urgent question then for us, and the one that we really need to hear is, how do we remain in him? What does it look like in practice? Well, I think we, firstly, we remain in the community that knows and loves him and celebrates him as its Lord. Because there's no such thing really as a solitary Christian we just can't go it alone. We must also remain in him 
as people of prayer and worship in our own intimate personal lives. So we must make sure to be in touch, be in tune with Jesus, knowing him and being known by him. It's often at this point that people cloud over and go, oh, yeah, same old stuff. But can you see how, um, like, I, I just always find that, I know, so irritating <laughs> because it, it's just, it's like offering life and, and just going, yeah, it's a bit boring. Um, and it's not boring. It's not boring at all. Um, the, the whole, if, if I can just um, point you to, to this green sheet, which is on your, on your table, um, sorry, not on your table, on your chair. Um, I, I decided to, to ha- um, hand this out. And these are, this is seven ways that, seven ways to pray. So seven ways that I pray. Um, I've, I've done these. I, I do these regularly. And it's just in case when, when you hear me say um, that for us to remain in Jesus, we need to be people of prayer and worship. Instead of letting it, you know, letting things cloud over for you at that point, why not? Why not commit to doing some of these? Um, I'll just very, very quickly go over them. So, centering prayer is really all about just learning to sit in God's presence. Okay, that's it. I'm not going to read it through. You can you can do that in your own time. But it's really about just cultivating a sense of God's presence in your life. Surrendering prayer is especially a good prayer to pray when you feel like, man, I've made my life just all about me and I need to kind of give it back over to God. And so we do that. Um, Seeking forgiveness. We all know what that is. Um, And, uh, yeah, that's an important one for us to do, especially when we're feeling heavy and and, um, burdened by mistakes we've made, regrets, things that happen in our life. Receiving God's word. I've grown more and more to see my reading of the Bible as prayer because it's not just reading. I'm not, I'm not just reading a novel. I'm, I'm actually asking God to speak to me when I read, the, um, read through his word. So that's, that's something you can do. You can receive God's word. Listening to God is, um, is a creative thing to do. Um, I, I like to uh, maybe have a journal or have, have a, paper, a piece of paper just to write on and you just sit in silence and, and you say, God, have you got something to say to me? Thanksgiving is another important one and something to do um, as, as, it, you know, as it comes up for you and also a good discipline. Um, and lastly, asking, asking for your needs to be met, for others' needs to be met, looking beyond yourself to the world around us. So there you go. There's some, some actual things to take home and, and do. And practice. Um, I encourage you to do that. Just in closing, um, I want you to real um, to recognise just in this picture of the vines, as as we've been hearing. Um, although it always hurts for um, the pruning to happen, God is glorified in it, and so will we be. We will be glorified by um, by bearing good quality fruit and lots of it. And for, for, that, for that to happen, there will be extra growth that needs cutting away. So remember as well, in those sorts of moments where you feel God's taking away something you want or steering you away from something that 
yeah, is, is your desire. Remember that the gardener is never closer to the vine, never taking more thought over its long-term health and productivity than when he has a knife in his hand, okay? <laughs> it's a good thing to remember. I just want to um, close encouraging you, deepening spirituality is about being receptive, being receptive to God's activity in your life. Do that with those, with those prayers that, that I've given you in, in the other ways that you do. There's so, much, there's so many creative ways that we can do this. Our pursuit of God, though, needs to be marked by allowing ourselves to be listening to God. It's not about running around out of breath trying to work out some formula of how to track God down, but it's about going to God and and actually just being receptive to what he has to say. Deepening spirituality makes all the difference in our lives. Without spiritual life, we don't really live. We just let life happen to us. Don't let that happen. Don't be blown about by the different spirits, the different winds, different things that come up. Get receptive to what God is doing, to what God is doing in us, God is doing in you. Get some discipline. Take some risks. Be obedient. Live thoughtfully. Live kindly and love deeply. Let me just pray and then I'll, we'll go to the response um, section. Lord God, thanks this morning um, for, uh, for just this time where we can reflect on what it means to, um, to deepen our spirituality, to, to press into this relationship with you. And we recognise that it's, it's the core relationship at the heart of our life which will inform and transform all those um, other relationships that are equally important to us, relationships with each other, with the world, and with how we see ourselves. Lord, we, we just ask for, um, for your, um, your spirit's presence to be known more in our lives. Amen. All right, so it's now time to respond. And... Um, we're going to have a bit of music playing shortly. And uh, what I'd like you to do is just get your response cards and there should be a pencil. And um, there's a, a couple of questions up on the, on the screen for you to, to consider. First one is, what could you do to spice up your prayer life? It's a good question. Also, how can our church support you more effectively in deepening your spirituality? If you're sitting there thinking, oh, I... You know, I'd love to move forward, but I'm stuck or I'm not sure what to do. Then remember, like we said, it's you're never alone and it's about sharing. So if there's something that you think we can do um, as a church, then please let us know. What can you do to support others to grow in their faith? Perhaps you you maybe put yourself up there on the on the fuel gauge earlier in the sermon as, you know, pretty much full. So how about um sharing some of that fullness <laughs> with some others. How could you do that? So there's some questions to consider um, and uh, I'll leave you to do that.